When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour Podcast. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, we are going to recap the football game that was yesterday. We're going to talk about week five, five, are we in five? This is six, 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 week six of the NFL um, it's, it's, it's got some interesting games. It's also our first week for bye weeks, which is obviously plays a factor in a lot of different things. Especially How are you going to live with no Titans game this week? <laughs> don't fucking kill me, man. I don't, <laughs> my, I keep, every time I look at that team, I'm just like, I just, I just want to quit. Like, it's just awful. It's just a brutal team. It's upsetting. And I don't really know. I don't know. Um, with that being said, as always joined by my partner here, Mr. Fox, how are you, buddy? You know, I'm doing all right. Uh, I thought, hey, I can't take another dreadful Thursday night football game, so I'm, I'm going to watch a highly anticipated film Halloween Kills last night, and um, I probably would have been better off watching the football game. Um, I have not um, I have not been able to catch that quite yet, um, you know, which is going to be interesting. Um, I should be able to catch it maybe after this podcast, but if that game – wasn't much of a barn burner for you. This coming up when uh, Thursday, we have New Orleans versus uh, Arizona, which should be a blast. Um, At least those teams sh- should put up some points. I mean, the fact that the winning team on Thursday Night Football has posted only 12 points two weeks in a row is something. Alarming. Yeah. Let's see. Just to look at the quick, quick look ahead at the next couple weeks on Thursday night. New Orleans, Arizona, Baltimore, Tampa Bay. That should be good. Um, I'm looking forward to like Lamar, like ripping a leg or something or being out for a week, maybe break. And then it'd be like the Kyle Trask versus the Tyler Huntley. Yeah. Brady having to take family time so that. Yeah, exactly. Work out his personal life. Yeah. Philadelphia, Philadelphia at Houston the week after that, which will be. Which is one good team. (laughs) Uh, Atlanta versus Carolina. Holy night. And then right before the Thanksgiving. (laughs) And then right before the Thanksgiving game, we do have Tennessee at Green Bay. So that's that's definitely interesting to even look at. Not, not saying that's so I'd be honest, and potentially Baltimore Tampa Bay is okay, although both of those teams at times have struggled putting up points. None of the rest of those games, like Tennessee and Green Bay, have not exactly had stalwart offenses. Well, hey, if you want me to keep going, here we go. Uh, Thursday night. They're actually the Thanksgiving game. The Buffalo at Detroit The Thanksgiving game, one is on NBC. It's not Amazon. So Buffalo, Detroit, that should be fun. New York, New York versus Dallas, that'll just be whatever. New England and Minnesota, that's interesting. Back on Prime Video, we have Buffalo at New England week 13. Uh, Las Vegas versus Los Angeles Rams week 14. San Francisco versus Seattle. Week 16, I don't know who the fuck they pissed off, but we've got Jacksonville versus the Giants. Or the Jets. 
But actually, those teams are kind of fun, and that's also Trevor Lawrence versus Zach Wilson round two. You know, the top two picks. I, you know what? Given all the other matchups you've read, Jets <laughs> does not actually sound Sounds, that yeah, bad. Sound Both those bad. teams have been fun and frisky at times. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, speaking of fun and frisky, we got some news and notes. Look, I'm not going to say that I'm the king of the segue, but I'm just saying that was a pretty good segue right there. Because speaking of frisky, Devontae Adams shoved a photographer um, post-game on uh, Sunday night. Was it Sunday night? Monday night? Monday night. Monday night in a game of which that I couldn't watch, but I did see some highlights of that final play, which um, I still don't understand why they went for two points there. Um, it, not it, even Josh McDaniels' mother understood. You know, the thing about it is, is I know everybody loves to question the analytic part of the world of the atmosphere, but it's crazy because I'm an analytic guy. I believe in analytics. I believe that they work. And I do believe that so shockingly enough, they're not going to, at times the analytics are going to be wrong. I, I don't know if that's like really shocking to people, but anytime somebody uses the analytic thing and then it gets it wrong and then it's the whole, this is, you know, they need to go back to the 1970s where they just flip the coin, you know, no, that's still analytics. I don't know. But um, with that being said, it was a questionable play call, especially since um, the Raiders have been playing good in the second half. But after that final, uh, final play there where we saw Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro easily became the best tackler for the Chiefs of the game. And uh, they collided. We saw some uh, Devontae Adams get off the field, which the thing about it was is, what Devontae Adams did was wrong. I also hate the fact that they try to shove cameras and shove things in people's faces immediately after the games. Like, I, like the, like, can you imagine? Like, that's just like you just had a play where you're trying to beat the best the team NFL for ten years. It's not well, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. I'm not disagreeing with it. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that he's right by any stretch of the imagination. I just, I still hate that they do that. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying I hate that they do that to these guys. But with that being said. What he did was wrong, and and um, yeah, I don't. The frustration is growing in the Raiders, and the crazy thing about the Raiders is, is I think they're one in four, right? Yeah, they could be three and two right now, like easily. The Raiders I mean, game or the Cardinals like game. Russell Wilson said they could be five and zero. Oh. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they actually should be. You know, they could. They should have. Uh, no, I mean they should beat the Cardinals. This is a hundred percent what I expect from Josh McDaniels. He's a horrendous coach. He's blown two seventeen-point leads. That doesn't shock me. He made possibly the most colossal blunder in the history of time at the end of this game. That doesn't surprise me. He is a horrendous coach. I don't know what they thought they were going to get, but this is what I thought they were going to get. And it's a damn shame for Derek Carr, who I actually like as and as kind of a guy, and I don't think we have ever seen him get a great shot, and I'm sure it's really sucking for their offense, but now there's misdemeanor charges for Adams. I think that'll ultimately get settled, but I would wager he gets a one- to three-game suspension for this because it's a bad look, and there's really no excuse for it. So now, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, you're probably missing him for – you know, two to four games because they're on a bye this week. I'm sure that was a real good atmosphere. It's probably good that they get to separate. But it's amazing. We've only played five 
five weeks, they've pretty well played themselves out of playoff contention, even with how the league is going, because they do not have a very easy schedule and they've blown all these winnable opportunities, which again, that was a, that was always a hallmark of Josh McDaniels. I have not seen any improvement in him as a coach. The crazy thing about it is, is, is the old adage is true. Some coordinators are good, are great coordinators and they should be coordinators for like a long time. You know what I mean? And, and I believe that he deserved a second chance because everybody did, but with that second chance, you would hope to see some sort of improvement, right? You know what I mean? You would hope to see some sort of uh, changes within the system. And I do believe that you hit the nail on the head. You hit this in the, you hit, you said this early on, but I really feel like the lack of preseason and these guys playing is really coming back to haunt some of these teams because it's really taken them a while to get their, their mojo going. And the, the big thing is, is, and we've seen this, multiple games back-to-back weeks now where teams that are running the ball very well refuse to run the ball when when they could easily get yardage. You know what I mean? If you're in a third-and-two scenario where you have a running back that's averaging seven yards a carry – Give them the ball, especially if you know you're going to go for it on fourth down, right? The Raiders actually played starters during the preseason. Oh, well, that's embarrassing enough. Yeah, remember, but, like, but, first game of preseason, they had Josh Jacobs out there in the Hall of Hall of Fame game. There was all that talk that he was, oh, that he was, he was done. losing so, his job, and they played Carr. They played – I mean, Belichick, whatever you would say about him, he has always played starter some in preseason. He has always used preseason to prep for the regular season. McDaniels did all that. I just – the only game that they've won this year is when he ran across a coach that's demonstrably worse than him in Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> I'm but, just being honest. Hackett's is worse for however I feel about McDaniels. Hackett is worse. My, and my question to you is, is, is the Packers, the Packers blew the, blew the game against the giants, I believe, because they, they got away from the run. It's been interesting to see some of these teams really run the ball. Well, but then forget that they can run the like my thing is this there's a few coaches in the NFL that I just believe that shouldn't be head coaches and Frank Wright is one of them I will stand by Frank Wright with being one of them Matt Rule was another but that time has passed you know what I mean? <laughs> um, it's too bad McDaniel's doesn't get to play against Rule because he would have gotten his second win <laughs> and, and it, so far you know that's two of the coaches that I think of that are making really bonehead decisions. I truly don't believe that um, – I don't know. Why am I blanking on the – who's the Packers head coach? It's uh, – Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur, yeah. I don't believe he's that great of a coach. And and well, I don't – and I think what – like that offense is, is weird. You have two – one very good running – like one very, very, very good running back – and A.J. Dillon is is quite a powerhouse. They might have one of the better one-two punches in all of football. And for some reason, they they consistently find themselves in later parts of the games not running efficiently, even or not running the ball as much as they should. It's like it's like Mike McCarthy's there all over again. It really is. Like that's the same problem McCarthy had. You mean McCarthy who's top five for coach of the year right now? Yeah. Exactly. I've seen more than one article writing about him being coach of the year, which is this week's sign of the apocalypse. 
Well, the thing about it is I think that just has to go with obviously Cooper Rush. But the thing for me with with that Dallas Cowboys team, they're playing incredible defense. Like the the, the people that are saying that Dak should be benched for Cooper, it, it blows my mind. Like it literally blows. They're asking Cooper to play the biggest free football. The biggest win for the Cowboys this offseason was that Dan Quinn didn't want any of the head coaching jobs he got offered and decided to stay running that defense because that's really the difference between you know last year and this year's Cowboys and the teams before was they're actually getting some good defensive production and playing well. I think Rush is playing fine. I think Dak will probably play fine too. We've seen I thought honestly that opening Sunday night game, I know Dak gets a lot of grief, but they were playing a great defense in Tampa Bay. They are one of the teams that didn't really play anybody at all in the preseason. So they were working some stuff out and if you've watched one of the big changes and they referenced this after Dak got injured and went out is, you know, Kellen Moore said, I need to call a more traditional game plan. Well, that makes a lot of sense because that opening Sunday night, if you're watching it, they're doing like triple reverses and, and running all these. I'm like, Kellen Moore, you're getting a little too cute against a pretty stout defensive front while you're still trying to figure out your offensive line. They figured out the offensive line over a couple of weeks. They're one of the few teams that had, major offensive line issues coming into the season that have actually shuffled people around and figured out how to make it work. They've leaned into that running game. I think, I don't think Matt LaFleur is a, is a terrible coach, but Green Bay, I think as an organization is one of those, and we've seen this before with like Pittsburgh, where we're not going to overpay to keep our players. Everyone is replaceable. And that's both true and not true as we're seeing. I think they thought their system and their ability to recruit could overcome even the loss of Devontae Adams, but we're seeing that that's not entirely true. Rodgers is doing a pretty decent job of, you know, I've been impressed with the way they've gotten Romeo Dubs going. Randall Cobb looks better than he's looked in years. Lazard's still doing Alan Lazard things. The Christian Watson probably wasn't the right pick. You know, among the options that they had, sure, hindsight's 2020, but there were a lot of questions about making that selection at the time. You know, our friend Matt Burning said that they just basically picked MVS round two, and that has kind of borne out. You know, he he's dropped a few, but I the the part that doesn't make sense is I assumed like you did. If you're going to let an Adams walk and you're going to rebuild the receiving core, they've talked for years about wanting to transition to that more run-heavy offense. I also expected Aaron Jones to get split out in the slot more to be used as a receiver because, let's be honest, he probably is their best receiver, period, on their team right now. And when we've seen them do those things, like that week two game, when they rolled out after being embarrassed in week one, you saw them power running with Dylan. You saw them running with Aaron Jones. You also saw Aaron Jones catching shovel passes, going out of the slot, catching touchdowns. That's the best their offense has looked. And they've consistently gone away from that. And that's the part where both organizationally, you maybe bought into your system more than, than was reasonable. And then from a coaching and scheme standpoint, and, the other thing to consider, Lafleur has been the play caller, but they no one lost more offensive coaches. You know, Hackett went to Denver. He took one of the other offensive coaches, Justin Outen, who's Denver's offensive coordinator. Luke Getze, who was also one of their big coordinators, is in Chicago. And we may laugh because those offenses don't look like they're going well. But having a, a 
veteran yeah. staff and cohesion and the experience. That's, you know, that's a lot to place replace. Not everyone is Buffalo where they were able to transition from Brian Dayball, who was a hell of a coach when he was there. And as we see with the giants is a hell of a coach period to Ken Dorsey without missing a beat. Not everyone can do that. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's, it's, they, it's just, I feel like you're right. Like what the game plan is, is, and the few times that they've decided to put Jones and Dylan in the backfield, I think that's worked too. It's like diversify your offense, but that run game is, is a lot better than what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like it, there's no reason why we shouldn't see a more balanced approach. I, I feel like you should see more of that, um, you know, that Terrell Davis, John Elway-esque last, you know, last couple of seasons where, you know, you kind of, it's not to say Rogers is toast or anything like that, because obviously he's not, but we're not seeing Jones carry the, or touch the ball nearly as enough, nearly as much as he should be um, because he is just an electric back. I mean, he just is like these guys, he's averaging 6.4 yards a carry this year. That's absurd. That's a really good number. You know what I mean? 6.4 yards a carry is very, very good. And, and I just, it blows my, and then of course he's averaging seven yards a catch. You know what I'm saying? I, I just, I don't know. Get him more involved. I think that he should have 20 touches a game. You also paid him. You know what I'm saying? So there's that. But um, uh, just to quickly recap last night's game, um, it was a game. A team won, and um, I couldn't watch live football basically for a week, and. Um, I still haven't watched live football since I've been back. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, <clears throat> the backfield field sucks. I'm sorry. I think, and I don't. I blame some of the pieces around him. I blame them not surrounding him with better talent. I do. And maybe he needs to grow more, and 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 he can still grow. But he is struggling with the 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 internal clock. And if you can't fix that, and I know it's because he's on his ass a lot, but I don't know. There's been flashes, but he has not been very good at decision-making. Their line is poor. Their scheme is poor. He's on – he's one of these quarterbacks that now gets a different offensive coordinator and scheme every year. When Nikhil Harry coming off IR improves the weapons you have at your disposal, that should tell you all you need to know about the offense. And still – they would have won that game if the receiver holds on to the ball. I I agree 100%. I also think it wasn't a very good pass either. He's doing the best that he can in that situation. I, I'm not sure exactly what Chicago is trying to do. I have felt like they're playing for 2023 because they've been stockpiling cap and draft picks for the offseason, which might mean that they're just kind of rolling the dice. This is another coaching staff that I don't have a lot of faith in. I don't think actually either coaching staff is great that we saw last night. I know you were impressed that Ron Rivera sort of had some fire at the post-game press conference, and I, I will agree that that was, you know, that was probably good. But you made a solid point, though. But he started this whole thing. I yeah. mean, if you watched, he got asked, you know, what's the difference between your teams? And his one-word answer was quarterback. And then he followed yeah. up. And I will give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe he didn't mean exactly to throw Carson under the bus and was trying to say that we you know haven't had a franchise quarterback to build around except if you're talking about your division Jalen Hurts is the guy that Carson Wentz got tossed over for so that's a direct shot 
Daniel Jones, everyone has had questions about Daniel Jones before the, before this year. Yeah. And still may not have incredible (laughs) answers. And in Dallas, Dak is not the quarterback you're talking about with the Cowboys right now. It's Cooper Rush, a guy who came off the bench and has been fantastic. So you can't take that any way but a shot. And then, of course, Wentz responded to what he did. He tried to walk it back. But that just shows you we're only in the beginning of October, and this team is already fragmenting. I don't really understand what's going on with Antonio Gibson. Brian Robinson looks fine. Gibson looked fine when they gave him carries. They're not really giving him touches. They're talking about him returning kicks. I thought the only one that would be a stable start is J.D. McKissick, which, of course, that bit me in the hindquarters because the guy who's your pass-catching specialist didn't get a single target in the game. So good good job, Washington. Dotson was out. They have struggled figuring out how to get Terry McLaurin involved in the offense. Before last night, at least Curtis Samuel was pretty rock solid in his role, but now doesn't appear to have a role. Well, he did drop two big passes, though. I know, but one was a touchdown. Washington. The other thing is, this was the only de- decent defensive game Washington's had all season. See, and that's the thing. So, so this is the thing. Two years ago, this defense was really good at football. Yeah. Something happened, and 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 I also don't believe Ron Rivera is a great coach. I don't think he the is. NF- I think the NFC East got better. Well, that's that, that too. The thing about it is, is, is I understand it is very, very easy to blame Carson Wentz. Okay. I know it is. If we look back of last year, we're starting to see Carson Wentz wasn't the only issue for this Colts team. Still think it's Frank Wright. Still think he deserves to be fired, but we're not, we're not talking about them right now. Well, I'm, I'm going to go back to the commanders here. I don't think Ron Rivera is a good coach. I don't, I don't think he's a great head coach. He's a good coach. He's not a great head coach. Let me say, let me rephrase that. The defenses look terrible. They look great last night, but I think anybody's looking great against this Bears team right now. The Bears are god awful. Carson Wentz has approximately zero seconds to throw the football. That offensive line is god awful. Last night was some of the worst offensive line play I think I've ever seen in an NFL game. Like both these quarterbacks were on their back almost every single play. And, and I'm not saying Wentz has been good because there's at times he's looked good and that's just what he does. If he has time to throw the football, he's a, he's a capable quarterback, but also I think that he might be like Donald's and sees the ghost. But by the time you're getting shoved in the dirt 45 times, it's really hard to really kind of get motivated. And again, this, this running back situation in, in, in Washington makes zero sense to me. Gibson is your best back. I'm sorry. He is. He's your best back. He should be your your bell cow. And I do think McKissick is a very underutilized back, which I still wish to this day he would have signed with Buffalo because I think that he could have been a game changer in that offense as the pass catching back. And I have him on one of my big dynasty leagues, and I was so excited when I saw that. And then it just flopped heavily. Um, we got a question here real quick. Um Traded away Hollywood and Pollard for CD and Najee. How are we feeling? You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. Uh, it's kind of hard to figure out how that works without more details. Um, I mean, if it's just a redraft, I mean... 
CD for Hollywood, Najee for Pollard. I mean, I like it, obviously. I don't know. So in Dynasty, for sure, Lamb and Harris. But in redraft, Pittsburgh's offensive line, you know, Najee Harris has not been an incredibly reliable play. I actually benched him in a couple of spots for, like, Melvin Gordon, which tells you about how I'm (laughs) feeling right now. Um, And Pollard does seem to be getting a lot of touches. So kind of depends on the construction of your league. I do think with DeAndre Hopkins coming back, Hollywood Brown may have his role take a hit. I agree. I agree. All right. All right. We're going to transition into uh, Matt's Games of the Week. So uh, we have yet another week, this time probably likely due to bye weeks, where we only have three late window games. Um, This has become a common pattern. Um, But fortunately, we do have possibly one of the best games of the week in the season in the late window, so at least we have that going for us. But among the early games, I'm going to highlight the Jacksonville Jaguars who are 2-3 heading to play the 2-2-1 Indianapolis Colts. When last these teams met, the Jaguars were ascending. A 24-0 home victory seemed to put them on the path toward being a frisky contender. They followed that up by blasting the Chargers, but then have lost two games in a row and are now slumping coming into this second matchup between the teams the Colts have not fared well against the Jaguars that 24 to nothing loss was probably the low point of their season since then they've rallied a little bit they beat the Broncos and they beat the Chiefs to get to 2-2 and 1 they're actually doing a pretty good job Um, They have a chance with a win here to move back into first place in their division. Uh, The Jaguars on the flip side with a win here have a chance to move back into position to possibly contend. It'll be interesting to see if the Colts have figured out some of their Jaguar-related issues. The Sunday late game, the 4-1 Buffalo Bills traveled to take on the 4-1 Kansas City Chiefs. That was what I was talking about. This is probably the best game of the week, maybe one of the best games of the season. The last few uh, Bills-Chiefs matchups have been incredible this the first time these teams are meeting since that memorable divisional round game where Josh Allen did not even get a chance to touch the football in overtime and the Chiefs were able to advance. Buffalo has looked like a juggernaut this season. They actually could easily be 5-0. and um, Their one loss, a kind of curious close loss to the Miami Dolphins. The Chiefs have looked really good at times and have struggled a little bit at times. They have that curious loss to the Colts. Uh, They were a little too close to the Raiders, actually trailing 17 to nothing at one point for comfort. Mahomes and Kelsey are great. The rest of the Chiefs' offense is a work in progress. I am looking forward to seeing these two clash in Kansas City. The Sunday night game, also pretty incredible. The 4-1 Dallas Cowboys travel to Philadelphia to take on the 5-0 Eagles. This is a battle for the top of the NFC East. It looks like Cooper Rush is going to play again. Can he move to 5-0 on the season 6-0 for his career? Or... Will he get that elusive first loss? Can the Eagles, the NFL's only undefeated team, remain undefeated? This actually looks like a real winner. The Sunday night football games have been pretty great of late, um, with the exception of one mile-high meltdown by the 49ers. So I think this game uh, should be pretty good. 
upsets there are a lot of weird games on the schedule this week but my upset that i'm going with is the two and three seahawks over the two and three cardinals i'm not even sure the cardinals should be favored on the road in seattle they have not looked incredible seattle's offense is a lot more fun than you think i'm actually starting geno smith in a lot of places i'm sure no one is happier about that than our friend john hamlers but i'm picking geno smith to get to three and three and fall off a cliff kingsbury to see his team drop to two and four Let's transition to start and sit. <laughs> Got to get the dance going. Got to get the dance going. I am going to kick it off with our start and sit segment here. My must starts of the week. I really like Russell Wilson this week. I, I don't know why other than I'm just begging myself to jump off a cliff. I, You're punking I just, me. That's why. You're punking me. <laughs> I'm not punking you. Definitely not doing that. Um, I think Jacoby Brissett had some time. He looked pretty good against this team. I think that – and then you had Davis Mills who looked pretty formidable formidable against this uh, defense as well, that this Chargers team is banged up. I like uh, Russell Wilson to throw at least a pair of touchdowns, maybe 250 and two touchdowns this week. I think he's going to be a formidable start this week. I just like him against this Chargers uh, defense who has, has – for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. is banged up and hurt a little bit. And I think this is going to be a little bit of a high scoring game back and forth battle. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Broncos win that, which would hurt my heart. I picked the Broncos. So I love, I love Justin Herbert, but talking about coaches that I'm not sure are good right there. We'll come back on him at some point, but he makes, he isn't. No, Andy Reid lucked out because there's a lot of talent in the AFC West, but there is not any coaching prowess. Uh, my running back start of the week is Brees Hall. We're starting to see more him get fluctuated in that offense more and more each week. I like what we've seen from him so far. Michael Carter, RIP, my friend. You'll still be relevant in some aspects, but I don't know if he's a, a, a startable asset that much unless you're in deep fantasy leagues. Devin Duvernay, I think that he's going to be in for a big week. I like him a lot this week. This Giants team um, – Sucks against the pass. They do. Um, they, they, they Deep threats are a thing that really kind of affect their team. Um, I do think that Lamar Jackson is going to throw and nobody's going to stop him. And uh, DuVernay is going to have a big week. Gerald Everett is my start at the tight end position. Broncos are pretty good against the tight end, but I like Gerald Everett to at least find the end zone this week. Bounce back from the god-awful game that he had last week that was very hard to watch uh, just as a big-time fan of mr everett um should i trade uh, we got a question real quick before we go to your starts should i trade chubb and Devonte for debo mixon aj and marquise um, um i need mo- him to fill out more names because i'm not entirely sure who all he's are we talking about aj brown um are you talking about Devonte adams are you talking about Devonte parker um, because <laughs> Well, and then can we find out if this is redraft or not? Just if you can let us know redraft, and can you let us know Devontae Adam? Nope, AJ Brown. Okay, so 
let us is this redraft or Devonte adams and here we go here we go we got one more question to get answered here we go and no redraft no redraft so it is redraft so it is redraft or um i think Devonte adams is about to be out for two to four weeks I mean, I Are you going to start Debo, Mixon, and AJ Weekly is the real question. Like, that's the big question because that's a – Chubb is a beast, but – And also, who are you having to drop? Because if you're trading two for four, usually – like, how many are starting, how many – I guess I – see, I think Marquise Brown's probably going to see his production slide – A.J. Brown's a little interesting, too. We've seen a big game, but we've also seen the pass volume isn't incredible. Jalen Hurts only has four passing touchdowns on the year. He's had a lot of rushing touchdowns, so like him in fantasy is fine. The receivers, you know, they're, they're trying to keep three receivers relevant and a running back there. Debo, I feel the same the same way. He gets a lot of opportunities. It's kind of a toss-up. Chubb is the best player, honestly, in that deal for redraft, so you're giving away the best player, and it really is going to depend on what the rest of your running back core is because the Bengals' offensive line issues, I think, have taken more of a toll on Mixon than they have even on Burrow in the pass offense. So that's to me, would be a pretty sizable drop-off. I I say no. And even if you lose Devontae, let's just say for one or two games, I still think that Chubb is just too great of a factor. Um, yeah. It really depends on what the rest of your roster is and what your options are going to be at wide receiver because if if losing Devontae Adams for three weeks – oh, Fournette, Montgomery. So you have one running back. So Fournette and Mixon would not be leaving me feeling great, um, especially if – I think the Debo side, a lot of those guys are going to be incredibly boom bust. So that's yeah. the risk you're running. And you probably can't start all of them when you're doing a two for four deal, unless the rest of your team is incredibly poor. My fear would be I make that trade and I'm consistently have the wrong person on my bench. I have D hop and Devante on bench. I have Rome, Romeo, Romeo Dobbs and Amari starting this week. So yeah, with D Hop coming back. I mean, you have D Hop coming back. I I yeah, I I like Amari Cooper to start more than anyone on the other side, except for probably I would probably start Cooper and Debo. Um, but I'm not incredibly sold on AJ Brown's consistent volume. And you have D Hop coming back too, with this even with the suspension from uh, he's got DeAndre yeah, Hopkins. Yeah, so I don't know why you'd want Marquise Brown and DeAndre Hopkins because that would always be a frustration to me about which one I'm putting in. I say no to the deal. Yeah. Especially now knowing your roster structure. Um, I'd say you stay in pat with Chubb and Devontae because – my guess would be you played Montgomery already this week. So if you get Chubb and Fournette as your starting running backs, your receivers, Dobbs and Amari, I mean – you get even with Devontae's suspension, you're getting D Hop. And then after the Devontae suspension, you still have D Hop and Devontae. So 
And then you have D Hop, Devontae, Dobbs, and Amari. So uh, that's, yeah. I say Stan Pat. What are your starts this week, Fox? Uh, so my starts this week, my quarterback start is Geno Smith. Uh, I know we all made jokes about Geno Smith uh, being named starter, um, but he is QB7 on the season. It is a rough quarterback landscape, but he's been consistently delivering. I'm firing him up against the Cardinals, who you also saw I picked as my upset of the week. My running back start is Jeff Wilson. When the 49ers lost Elijah Mitchell to injury, it seemed like it was going to be a blow to the offense. But since week three, Jeff Wilson is RB13 in fantasy at a position that's been decimated by injuries and now by weeks he has a chance to be good especially going up against the atlanta falcons i think he could be a top 12 play this week my wide receiver start is Cortland sutton apparently both of us are going to the denver bronco well i get it their offense has not been a lot of fun to watch but sutton who I have long believed is the best receiver on the Broncos roster has looked like it in 2022. Despite all their struggles, he is wide receiver 12 through five weeks. He's been incredibly consistent. And I think he is going to be consistent once again in what could end up being a higher scoring game against the chargers tight end start tight end is kind of a garbage position outside of Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. It's hard to feel incredibly consistent, uh, you know, confident about the volume anyone's going to get, but I'm going with David and Joku. Um, he has seemed to get regular targets in the Browns offense. He's tight end eight on the season. I am rolling him out. What about your sits for the week? So my sits for the week, uh, my quarterback sit is Jameis Winston. Um, he's limited in practice. It's questionable if he's definitely going to return to the lineup, but even if he do does, he's not in my lineup. Uh, we wondered if we were going to get the kind of Jameis Winston that was a top five fantasy asset with the Buccaneers or the one that threw 30 interceptions and ended up playing himself out of a starting job. So far, it's been more of the latter. Even in Superflex, I'm not betting on him. My sit is James Robinson for the Jaguars. I know you're probably wondering you know, what gives. He looked incredible to start the season. He's still RB16 overall on the season, but the past two weeks he is just RB63, and we've seen Travis Etienne getting more touches and showing more signs of production. It could be just a temporary blip on the radar, but I'm a little unsure of this backfield right now. Robinson's early production was buoyed a lot by some big plays and touchdowns, so right now I don't feel confident starting him. My sit at receiver is Juju Smith-Schuster for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs have been solid. They're 4-1. They look like a playoff and title contender. But outside of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, there has not been a lot of reliable consistency in fantasy. Juju scored 11.9 points in week one, but he has just 45.7 points in PPR through five weeks. He's wide receiver 50. You're just not sure what the volume is going to be for these receivers in production. Unless he gets a touchdown, it's hard for him to make the day for you. So he is out of my lineup. And then at tight end, I'm, I'm sitting Irv Smith Jr., uh, when it comes to the Vikings, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, and Kirk Cousins have been incredible, but they also have Adam Thielen, K.J. Osborne, and Smith, and they've mixed them in at times, but they're all incredibly boom-bust. He's tight end 18 on the season. If he got a touchdown, that would be great for you, but there is no sure lock he's getting a touchdown, so Irv Smith is not a reliable starting option to me. My sits of the week, I actually have James Robinson as well. I just That, that running back situation is, is murky at best. I'm sitting Jalen Waddle again this week just because I just don't buy that offense at all. Um, I still think Tyreek is not going to produce the numbers that he normally does, but at least Tyreek is getting the catches in a PPR league. You know what I mean? Versus what Waddle's. You're just not on the Skylar Thompson train. 
disappeared. I don't even know who the hell Skylar Thompson is. I do, but I don't. But I don't care to know who he is either. But um, tight ends, I don't really care about tight ends. But my tight end of the week is Taysom Hill. If you're expecting them to do what he did last week, you're going to be let down poorly. I'm sorry. And I love Taysom Hill for Matthew Fox and Matthew Fox only. My sit of the week is going to be the polar opposite of Matthew Fox. So this will be an interesting battle for me. I'm sitting Geno Smith this week. The Cardinals have only given up three touchdown passes since the week one torching by Mr. Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that – I, I don't see Geno getting – two touchdown passes this week. I don't, I don't see it happening. And I think that's what you would kind of need from him. Um, I think this is actually going to be a relatively low scoring game. I, I don't know why I just, like I said, I have a hunch on this one. I don't like Gino Matthew, Matthew Fox is a hell of a lot smarter than I am. So probably go with his decision. But if I'm right, I'm definitely going to throw it in his face next week, just because that's what I would do. I mean, Matthew Fox loves me for that. And then if I'm wrong, I'm going to be like, I don't remember what you're talking about. It never happened. So, <laughs> No. We'll see. I didn't feel good about anything. This week is very ugly. It's just an ugly week. It's it's well and the like the four teams on a bye aren't what you would call like necessarily great NFL teams. No. They have been good fantasy teams. You're missing some big fantasy chunks every Yeah, day. my entire roster is missing all the Titans players. So <laughs> no, but you're all right though. Like the Lions have been vast fantasy producers. That um, the Raiders have been fantasy producers in certain aspects. The Titans, obviously, in certain aspects, and then of course you have the Texans. So, which is you have Damian Pierce right there, and even Cooks. You know what I mean? Cooks is in your lineup. So, so you, I mean, you mentioned the Cardinals. I will say, Derek Carr. 252 yards and two passing touchdowns against the Cardinals. I'm telling you, and, G- and Geno Smith isn't as good. I don't know what it is. I'm telling you, it's just a hunch. You you could be 100% right. Geno Smith has been better this year. Well, I think they've schemed very well, which is something you can't even be mad about. But uh, all, right. the, uh, yeah. all it took for the Seahawks to figure out how to make a quarterback achieve their potential was for Russell Wilson to leave. Wow. And he has looked like something. All right, folks. Last week, I uh, came back down to earth just a little bit. I went 3-2-1 on my picks. Um, obviously, the Steelers couldn't muster a touchdown if their life depended on it. And Trevor Lawrence turned into Blake Bortles, causing me my two losses. I did waver on my Seahawks pick. I did have faith in the Seahawks to cover the the, the spread at seven. Uh, I had it at seven and a half at first, and then I changed it to seven, which I'm extremely upsetting because it would have been a win if I would have kept it at seven and a half, but I pushed there. My two two of my big wins of the week were uh, Aaron Rodgers over one half touchdowns. Romeo Dobbs only caught, I think, two passes in that game, and the one went over the 18 and a half yards, the longest reception, which was beautiful. And as I mentioned on the show, the Cardinals covered against the Eagles. Matthew Fox didn't have faith in me, but I had faith in my pick. It did come down to the wire a little bit. Overall in the season, 12-6-2. Not bad. Not bad at all. I'm liking where I'm at with this right now. This week, I have another massive slate of games to talk to you about. So Aaron Rodgers over one and a half touchdown passes again. Look, the juice is a little bit high. Minus 180, you're basically going to get 55 cents on the dollar. I love this. He is literally the five straight weeks now where we've seen, sorry, four straight weeks where we've seen him go over the double digit touchdown passes um, after hitting that zero in week 
one. This team's going to continue to find its rhythm. I like for him to get over that total against the Jets. Vikings over two and a half touchdowns versus the Dolphins. Okay. The the or, uh, the Vikings have scored four touchdowns in three straight games. They're taking on a reeling Dolphins team that has given up 67 points in their last two games. This seemed to me like a low number for them to go two and a half touchdown passes, two and two and a half touchdowns total. Uh, I like this a whole lot. The Ravens tied the Bengals at the half last week, but have won every other first half this year. I like them to do that this week against the. New York Giants, who are surprisingly like the best team in football now, apparently. I, I don't know. I like the Ravens minus one and a half at the half against the Giants. Um, speaking of wide receivers for the Kansas City Chiefs, I like uh, I like Marquez Valdez-Scantling to go over 45 and a half yards. He's seen five or more targets in four straight games. He's hit this number three straight games. This is a very good uh, matchup for him. I think this could be a shootout, obviously. You know, you got Bills Chiefs knowing our luck in this year. It might be a 10-7 to 7 football game. Who knows? But I like MVS to go over the 45-and-a-half yard prop. I think it's it just seems uh, right around the number that he's been targeting. I like this one a lot. Uh, MVS has been a little bit more consistent than some of the other receivers on this roster. Give me the Cowboys plus 7-and-a-half against the Eagles. Um, I think the Cowboys have the defense to contain Hurts. I think he's. I think the Cowboys will probably make uh, Hurts try to beat them with his arm. Not saying he can't. I think this game's close. Um, the Cowboys have covered in ten of their last eleven home games. My lock of the week, which is absurd to me that this number is so low. You can get the Dallas Cowboys over one and a half touchdowns. Versus the Eagles. One and a half. They still have to score two touchdowns. Two. That's it. Two. That's it. Two touchdowns. You're telling me the Cowboys aren't going to score two touchdowns against the Eagles? I don't care if Joe Troy overrated Aikman comes out of retirement and, and he could easily score two touchdowns with this offense. So I, I like the uh I like the Cowboys over two touchdowns. Recap real quick. Ravens minus one and a half uh at the first at the end of the half. Uh, Rodgers over one and a half touchdowns, Vikings over two and a half touchdowns, Marquez Valdez Clinton over 45 and a half yards, Cowboys plus seven and a half, and my lock of the week is Cowboys over one and a half touchdowns. Fox, what do you think? I picked the Cowboys and the Broncos this week, so I, I hope that you will you know, respect my privacy during this difficult time period. Wait, so you picked the Cowboys? I did. Oh, fuck. The Eagles are going to win by 50. Shit. No, I'm kidding. You know what? Fine, fine. I sometimes I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal when I pick the Cowboys. I just I wish I knew how to quit them. <laughs> that's us. Every that's been us two years in a row. It really has been. Like last year, we were. I was determined not to go back to the Cowboys. Well, and I went back. And I still. I, I didn't have them winning the division. I didn't have them winning the division. I did have the Eagles, but I did having them being in contention there. And I was like, after after Jack went down, I was like, well, there fuck, there goes the Cowboys again. And then here we are. You know what I mean? We're, we're sitting pretty. You know what I mean? What can we say? I know. Every week I think, oh, I'm not going to pick them. And then I look at it and I don't know. Jerry Jones like whispers in my ear and talks me into it. I don't know. I I really went back and forth about both that game and the Monday night football game because I have a love-hate relationship with the Broncos right now as well. <laughs> but in the end, I'm like, I don't know if it's the fan group. So – 
I'll just be honest. There's been this theory that's been floated when Peyton Manning came to the Broncos. They started out two and three, and week six they played the Chargers on Monday Night Football and blew them out, and it was the start of like a playoff run. And a lot of people have been talking about their, you know, this whole thing has just been setting up to that. And even though I'm not sure I totally believe that, I want to believe, much like Fox Mulder, I want to believe. So I did it. I went with the double D to end my. Uh, picks for the week and uh, I'm 39 and 40 on the season. And I think this is a large reason why. Uh, <laughs> you know, I looked at it. It's funny to me. So the biggest problem I have with the, the weekly spread picks that we do, I hate the spreads that they have on ESPN because oh, yeah. they don't match the spreads with, with DraftKings. Sometimes they're a point, point and a half higher. And I'm like, I really don't like this bet, but I don't really know what side of it. I just, I just click, you know, I just go back to the old school. I Christmas tree. It. No, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Um, with that being said, uh, make sure to follow Matthew Fox over on the Twitter at Nighthawk7734 at Ricky Villar underscore. Um, we're going to transition over to our favorite segment of the show. We're going to quickly dissect the movie corner. Uh, big week, big weekend of releases. We have Halloween ends in theaters on Peacock, Rosalind on Hulu. I love you, you hate me over on Peacock. Shantrum starts on Apple TV Plus, and then The Curse of Bridge Hollow is also something that is dropping on Netflix, which I know Matthew Fox is excited to watch. I still will watch it. I've actually, oh, I, I haven't seen Shantrum yet, but I did watch the other two. Uh movies i watched rosalind this morning we actually had a, a nice review on the site that dropped on uh tuesday from from dan moss um i thought that one I, i'll be honest it's like a comedy retelling of romeo and juliet and i was prepared to um dislike it with every fiber of my being and i ended up giving it three and a half stars it was actually charming and delightful which is more than i can say for halloween ends um, I'm sad I haven't watched it yet. Um, I think I'm gonna. I've been wrapped up watching Love Is Blind season three. Um, don't judge me, okay? Don't judge me. Literally one of my favorite shows to watch. I can't say much else about it right now because you know it's it doesn't it doesn't come out till Wednesday. Um, you have the first off, you have like the first four drop Wednesday, the next three drop the Wednesday after that, and then the next three drop the Wednesday after that, and then you have the season finale which I'm very upset with because I haven't seen those two episodes. I've seen the first 10 episodes of season three, but they didn't send me 11 and 12. I'm sure for spoiler purposes, which I understand hundred percent, but please like, let me, I'm already hooked. Like give me the deets. I won't tell anything what happened. Just please um, for the love of God, just tell me what the hell's going to happen. Um, with that being said, uh, I haven't really watched a whole lot. Otherwise uh, game of Thrones last week, really enjoyed the episode. Um, the, a uh, guy that's playing the king. I can't think of his name right now. Patty Constantine. Patty, he's been incredible. I felt like that was a really good farewell episode to him. He was incredible in the episode. I thought it was really good. We're setting up for the final final two episodes, right? Yep, final two episodes yeah. of the series. And uh, I'm excited because I feel like maybe we're finally going to get some really strong action. Um, it's been – there's one shocking scene in that episode that I was like, holy shit, that was awesome. And like, it was freaking awesome. Yeah. I, Matthew Smith continues to be the best part of that show. And it's sometimes he's even the best part of the show when he doesn't even fucking talk. And that's incredible to me. 
I know why they structured the way they did. They're really interested in telling one specific story, which we're kind of up to. But the massive time jumps and constantly changing a number of the actors. It's been hard. It's been brutal. In addition to the fact that they didn't, in my opinion, achieve their aims of making you care about the characters. Um, they're, they're, Pretty well, all universally unlikable to me at this point in time. Damien's not unlikable. How dare you suggest that he's an unlikable human oh, being? I think he's completely unlikable. <laughs> I mean, I'm kidding. I mean, obviously, an incestuous pedophile <laughs> is the one you're gonna you're gonna plant your flag on. Batman would be appalled. You're gonna have to take that shirt off. <laughs> I Alan Seppenwall at the beginning of the season had um, one of the comments that he made that has stuck with me as I've wrestled with how I feel about the show is he said there were a number of interesting characters. Unfortunately, the show decided not to focus on any of the interesting ones and focus on the boring ones instead. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of been true. I liked the younger version of these actresses and they started having like a friendship, but then when they flipped, it's not that Emma DRC and Olivia Cook aren't decent performers, but they have like zero relationship. And it seemed like they were going to kind of go back to having some kind of a friendship at the that you know, that's like two minutes. There's been too much whiplash and too much movement. The I time jump for is as annoying. much as we criticized Game of Thrones for moving sometimes at a glacial pace. The reason they moved at a glacial pace at times would be like the first season, I didn't care very much about Jon Snow. I didn't very really care very much about where it was going. And by the end of the show, he's my ride or die. You know, the you yeah. spent time investing in these people so yeah see and that's the thing it felt rushed. like we actually had like like they already got renewed for a season two before it even started so it was yeah. like i really wish they would have spent like uh, um millie alcock was brilliant like she was my favorite yeah it's a shame those, this entire two, show. those two younger actresses didn't get like see, we could have I know. we could have let her grow into more of a a, a woman, I guess you could say, within as if you let her do the entire season one and do a jump into season two, by the time you fill it and stuff like that, we got makeup. You know what I mean? Well, you could have done what the crown did. I mean, that's essentially if you're going to do this, and I know that they want to tell the Dance of Dragons timeline, which is basically the Civil War, but they wanted you to know why you know what the familial connection and relationships over years were that led to the civil war so i'm sure there was a debate about do we just jump into this dance of dragons civil war timeline you know start with the death of the king or do we need to build these people up you could have done what the crown did and do one or two seasons building these younger characters and younger relationships i mean the the compression of everything just seems yeah, patently ridiculous. You end, you know, episode six, which I basically was like the call the midwife version of House of Dragons, where it's all childbirths and and paternity tests, with you know Damon's wife getting set on fire. You open the next episode with 
her funeral and you spend like 20 or 30 minutes, like literally at that funeral gathering. And then you must have bounced through some months of time because I've, I've read the wiki of a song of ice and fire. And when Renera and Damon get married, it's, it's quick, but it's like, it was only about six months after the death of her husband. Well, in this, it was less than 30 seconds after the <laughs> death of, of her husband. And you're like, Oh, her relationship with her mother-in-law isn't great. Well, both of her kids like died in the span of 40 minutes of screen time. It's just, it's been a they're, lot. It's they've been a lot. treated this entire first season like the way they treated season seven and eight of Game of Thrones. And that was like a huge criticism was you took mountains of plot and time and you just condensed it into like a matter of minutes or you kind of, to take a Seinfeld term, yada, yada, yada over huge swaths of time and action. And it it doesn't work because now you don't have like we are supposed to be really invested in not only Renera and Allison, but their children, which is the big focus yeah. of Dance of Dragons. And we have changed those actors every episode for like three episodes. It's not happening. Yeah, it's it's been kind of rough to watch. And that's kind of like that part of me. That's the part that has been very frustrating. And to me, that's part of why, like some of it, like I'm still invested. I'm still very intrigued at what happens and all that stuff. But I, I will also agree that I'm, I'm kind of, I'm frustrated with how that turnaround's kind of been. Is meanwhile, Otto and Damon must be vampires because they look exactly the same as episode one thirty years later. <laughs> it is pretty funny to see some of the characters who aren't changing to be like these just. You know they're the same. They're the same human beings now. It's it's funny to me. I, I like it a lot. Um, with that being said, folks, that's it for this episode. Um, we will be back next week, uh, more than likely on Thursday, with our normal slot. Um, this week we're just a little bit altered. Uh, let's win some football games. I hope I win all of my fantasy football games, which is something that I've yet to do this year. I don't even know why I play every year anymore. I feel like I suck at it. But I am pretty good at sports betting, so that's also good. So that's what you should—that's what you should do weekly. You should listen to Matthew Fox when he talks fantasy football. Listen to me when I'm using sports bet, and listen to both of us when we talk about movies because we both love movies, and we're pretty much in line 85, 90 percent of the time when it comes to those. So make sure to follow us on Twitter and um, go Chargers. Russell Wilson, I'm ready to get hurt again. Go Cowboys. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.